This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever received a text that was a text of correction? Come on, guys, husbands, you can raise your hands. Like, have you ever got, okay, I have two. Have you ever sent a text to somebody that you were correcting something? So maybe if your student, you know, got mobile phones, moms and dads, sometimes we send texts to our students, right? Sometimes, yes? Yeah, yeah, they get them up there. So here's the deal. If the Apostle Paul were alive today, would you get a text? Would the church get a text? Let me say it this way, because he wrote letters, right? He didn't have text. So if the Apostle Paul were to, were to whoop, back up one, there we go. If the Apostle Paul were to write a letter to the church, what would it say? Think about that for just a moment. Okay, and next, next one, better this way, baby. If the Apostle Paul were alive today, the church would be getting a letter. How many agree with that? Right, he'd be looking at the church today and go like, yeah, there's, there's something wrong. So today, we're launching a series from one of Paul's letters um, from the book of Galatians called, called No Other Gospel. No Other Gospel. If you look at, look at the graphic, the other is kind of broken up because here's, here's the reality. There, there's a lot of teaching out there um, and it's, it's what Paul is trying to, trying to correct and we're hearing about it. Um, so Galatians um, is the book. And so if you have your Bibles, you might want to go there, your digital Bible, whatever, whatever it might, might look like. The church in the region of Galatia which is modern-day Turkey, was experiencing some theological crises. In other words, there was teaching going on, and they were beginning to adopt teaching that was not biblical, and Paul is writing to bring correction to it. Now we know that the Bible says that all, all Scripture, everybody say all Scripture, all Scripture, so that would include Galatians, all Scripture is given to instruct us, to rebuke us, sometimes to correct us in life, and in, in, in what, what we're believing and so on. So that's what the Bible is. That's what Paul's doing. And the church in Galatia, which was a region now, it wasn't a specific church. Um, Paul is writing to do that. It was a needed word and needed teaching. And it's needed for today. And so for the next six weeks, there are six chapters in Galatians. For the next six weeks, we're going to be diving into the teaching of Galatians and seeing how it applies to each and every one of us. So that was the bottom line up front, or the bluff. Here it is right here. There is teaching today that is contrary to what is taught in the Bible. We'll say it again, which I believe is true. There is teaching out there that is contrary to what, the, what is being taught in the Bible. And you need to be aware of it, and I need to be aware of it. And this is in no way saying, hey, Look what Gateway is doing. I, I pray that we teach the Bible and we hear the Bible, even though it corrects us sometimes. You with me? We don't like to get the corrective text, do we? It doesn't feel so good, but it's right. And the Bible corrects us because it's, it's right. So to answer the first question, if Paul were writing a letter today or, or texting the letter, what would it say? And I believe it would address a number of things that we're going to be looking at. I think it would address the whole issue of salvation by works. We'll talk about that today. 
I think it would address a watered-down gospel that's being taught in some circles. What's that sound like? Well, you just have to be good enough, right? And it all works out. You just live your life good. You just do good deeds. You just do good things. Listen, this whole thing will, will work out. There is no hell. And the reason why there is no hell is because a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. And on and on. That's teaching that you're hearing is not biblical. Everyone goes to heaven. Well, no, that's not true because the Bible doesn't say that. And we'll be talking about some of these things. Now, I want to kind of provide some foundation this morning. Kind of get us started. So just, just kind of hang with me a little bit. So in the New Testament, so that section of books called the New Testament, there are 27 books. And the 27 books um, are broken down really into four categories. Um, some, some teach five. I kind of like three, but I'm going to give you four. How's that? Broken down into four categories. So the very first category is what we call the foundational books. So um, a lot of people know them as, Ma know, know the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, right? So they are the foundational books where we read about Jesus, the Messiah, that was talked about in, throughout the Old Testament. Um, we read about the life of Jesus and his works and, and his miracles. And it's the Gospels that kind of set the stage for all that we're going to read about. So Jesus has come to grant brand new life. So they're the foundational books for those. And then the historical books, there's only one uh, uh, book of history, historical book, the book, the, the book of Acts. And it's in, in the book of Acts, we read about the, the, the apostles, the work in the ministry of the apostles. We read about um, the launching uh, of the church. And last week we talked a little bit about Acts chapter 2, where we see the working out of the church, what was taking place. And then in small groups, we kind of fleshed it out a, a little, little, bit, little bit more. And it's in Acts, um, long about chapter 9, you get nine chapters in, where we read about the author of Galatians. We read about the life of Paul. So Paul was a persecutor of the, of the church, and now he's, he's, uh, he's going around um, as, a, as a convert, um, talking about what we're going to be talking about today, and bringing people to faith in Christ. That was not his prior life, but he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, and it changed his life. And so that's where we read about, about Paul. And then, and then a six, uh, section called Instructional. So 21 books there, um, and that's, that's where we find the Pauline epistles, his letters, general um, epistles, Hebrews and Jude. And we read about um, the official doctrine and, of the church and the life of a follower of Jesus. So we talk about how um, the Bible instructs us as a faith community to live out our life amongst one another, and then out in the world today. And that's what we see in these instructional uh, books. And this is a section that Galatians falls into, and that's what we're going to be talking about in just a few moments. Then there's one, one called Prophecy. And uh, if you've read the book of Revelations or you've never heard the book of Revelations, um, it's, it's a prophetic book that talks about things to come and, and, and times. Now, for me, I put that up here in the instructional thing, but it's instructions instructions how to live and so on in the end times. But we're going to be talking about this one book called Galatians. Now, Galatians, according to most scholars, was the first book that was written um, in the New Testament, so around AD 49 and so on. Galatians, um, or Galatia, was a region in Asia Minor, now known as Central Turkey, and it was, it was part of the area that Paul and Barnabas passed through um, on their first missionary um, journey, establishing churches along the way. 
Timothy was from the area of Derby and Lystra in Galatia, in that region. I'll show you a map in, in just a moment. But when Paul addressed the letter to the Galatians, he wrote to the churches in Galatia. So we, we really need to understand that there are multiple churches, not just one. It wasn't a single church that he was uh, addressing like he did in some other letters. So Paul had founded this church and was concerned because these new believers, Galatian believers, were being influenced by the Judaizers who were teaching something different than the gospel. In just a moment, you're going to see what he's referring to. They taught that salvation required keeping the Mosaic law. And so as Paul was addressing these areas, he's bringing correction to that teaching. Now, I mentioned that Paul was formerly um, a persecutor of, of the church, and that was his passion in life, to, to, to live a life based on the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's offering to us in Galatians. Wasn't his life, he wasn't saying follow me, he's saying follow Jesus. So in Galatians chapter 1, Paul kind of gives us a little, little bit of his history. It's coming up on the screen as well, or in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. A little bit of his life. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. So central to his teaching, central to his correction was, look, that wasn't my gospel. Like, I'm asking you to follow me. This is the gospel of Christ. It's not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard, this we go back to his former life, you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. That was his former life. Now he's saying, look, not only was, was that wrong, I tried to persecute the church, I tried to destroy it. But now he's preaching a gospel that was not man's, but from Jesus Christ himself. Paul certified that the gospel did not originate with man. And that's important. Man-made religions emphasize human merit and the necessity of human works for salvation. Paul's message did not. Now, I don't want us to kind of skip over that too quickly. Man-made religions emphasize, like, you've got to do something. Um, you've got to work hard. These things here are necessary for, for salvation. That was not Paul's message. He's saying that's man's message. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's, he's going to bring correction to that. Now, core teaching to Galatians is this, no other gospel. Now, at least in my Bible, right at the heading, about midway through chapter 1, it says, like, no other gospel. There's no other gospel. And, and Paul is astonished that those he had taught before are beginning to kind of stray just a little bit. He says this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the what? Everybody say grace. Grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. So again, get the landscape of his teaching there. Um, I, I'm astonished. Or I'm, I'm kind of taken back a little bit, maybe caught off guard, however you would describe it, that you are so quickly abandoning this gospel, deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, and not only that, you're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. 
In other words, there's no other gospel, but you're turning away from the gospel of Christ. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, you know a picture that's distorted. It, doesn't need, it does not resemble the original, does it? It's distorted. It's all whacked out. It's, it's crazy. And that's what Paul's saying. Like, it's, it's a distortion of the gospel. And then he goes on. This is kind of interesting. He says, even if, if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. No matter how you hear it. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now maybe in modern day language, like Paul is venting and he's sending these texts out, right? And he's saying, look, you, you are wrong and you are missing it and, and you need correction in your life. He's astonished. They're, they're abandoning, they're leaving. It's a military phrase there. You're walking away from, you're leaving, you've changed your loyalty. And either they are turning away so quickly after his last visit, or they're, they're turning away from the true gospel of Christ so soon after hearing these false teachers. And it wasn't, it wasn't just a, like a theology, a system of theology, but they're actually turning away from God himself because it was God himself who sent his son Jesus into the world. We'll read about that in just a few moments. They were exchanging this truth, the gospel of grace, and embracing a different gospel, one of legalism, which adds works to faith, thus perverting, or Paul's word, distorting the gospel of Christ. So what they were doing is they were abandoning the, the true gospel, and, and taking a hold of, or embracing, or believing something that was completely different. It was one of legalism that adds works to faith. Now, we're going to be fleshing this out a little bit more in the weeks to come. It was a perversion of the gospel or a distortion. Faith may get you started, but hey, there's a whole lot more you need to do. There's more you need to do. And essence was being taught is this the sacrifice of Jesus and what he did on the cross just wasn't enough. I mean, it was important, but it just wasn't enough. So I guess a little point to ponder maybe as you go today. Here it is right here. This is exactly what happens when we are not grounded in the truth of the gospel. All of a sudden, we find ourselves kind of shifting this way a little bit, kind of moving away from what does the Bible say? So some of you were hanging with Gateway, maybe it was last year, when you said, look, we always start with what does the Bible say? And here's what happens when you begin to move away from being grounded in the truth of the gospel. All of a sudden, we begin to kind of lean to and sometimes embrace teaching that is not biblical. In fact, Paul gives us a warning in another letter, Ephesians chapter 4, where we are exhorted to grow the faith so that, here it is, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So if I were to ask you, like, is there different teaching out there? We'd have to say, yes, there is. You might not describe it how Paul does kind of like every wind of teaching, but it's out there. There are different things that confront you and me and the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And Paul was so emphatic with this warning that he was giving that he said, look, even if we were to start preaching that, it's wrong. We're not going to, but even if we, and then he goes a little further. He's like, even, like you, you, even if an angel from heaven comes and preaches that, look, it's not probably your bad fish the night before or something, but listen, that is not right. And this is a core teaching of Galatians and something that you and I have got to grab a hold of and I think understand, and it's just simply this, just the word grace. Everybody say grace, grace, grace. And there is no other gospel. See, I would love to think that, you know, like in our faith community, and even, you know, we, would, we, would, we would understand the depth of grace, but I know because, look, we all experience it. Kind of that silent voice. I'm going to share with you a story at the end. And the silent voice is just like, you're not just like doing enough. Like, you really screwed up. So, like, maybe the scales are a little bit out of balance. Grace. There is no other gospel. J. Vernon McGee, he's passed on. He was a great Bible teacher years ago. He says this, not only is a sinner saved by grace, through faith, say it with me, plus, plus what? Yeah. Not only is a sinner saved by grace, through faith, plus nothing. And what the what was happening in, in Galatians, Galatians is they were adding something. But the saved sinner lives by grace. Grace is a way to life and a way of life. These two walk hand in hand. So today we're talking about grace as a way to life. Weeks down the road we're going to talk about grace as we live or the grace is the power to live for Christ. But these two walk hand in hand. So what's it, what's it look like today when we kind of add, add things to grace or we kind of begin to look at, look at works? Well, we, we don't think about it this way. We don't think like I'm good enough to be saved. You know what usually you hear nowadays? Like I, I'm not bad enough to be lost. Now, I'm not bad enough to be lost. So I do really good things. So I give to charities. I even give to the church and I serve meals and I do that. I'm, I'm not bad enough to be lost. God certainly loves me. And we might even look at the person besides like, you know, I may not be the worst person in the world. I'm sure not like the person I'm sitting next to or the person I work with. I'm not like, like that person. And also when we pull out the scales, we see how things balance out. And if we think that we haven't done enough, we just add a little bit to bring things back in the balance. If it gets out, out of balance a little bit, we just add a few more good works because you know something? Good people make it to heaven. And that is not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say good people make it to heaven. The Bible says saved people make it to heaven. And there's a huge difference. The works we do, the good works we do, flow out of the relationship we have with Jesus. Again, more in, in later weeks. Good people don't make it. Saved people make it to he heaven. See, grace is central to the gospel. We need grace. Grace is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And understanding grace is key to understanding the gospel of Christ. So an, an accurate and common definition of grace is described this way. It's, it's the unmerited favor of God toward men. 
So it's, it's the unfair, unmerited favor of God toward you and me, toward men. So the gift of grace, the gift of salvation, or the act, the act of giving, has nothing to do with our merit or some character quality we may or may not possess. That's important. The gift or the act of giving has nothing to do with our merit or some character. You may be the best person. It has nothing to do with that. And you may be the worst person too. And it has nothing to do with that. It's God's favor toward the unworthy or God's benevolence on the undeserving. All of us, each and every one of us, were undeserving of God's grace. Everybody. There's an acrostic that is, is often taught on grace and just goes like this. is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a pretty good definition of grace. Grace is central to the gospel because God, in his grace, is willing to forgive us even though we did not and we do not deserve it. That's grace. That's why it's central to the gospel of Christ. Why? Because we were once enemies with God, every one of us. Every one of us. We were born enemies with God. We talked about it in the last number of weeks. It's how we were born. We were born into sin. We were born enemies. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were his enemies, we were enemies of God. Grace is central to the gospel because God in his grace is willing to forgive us even though we did not deserve it. Why? Because we deserve death. You, me, each and every one of us deserve death. Romans chapter 6 verse 2. For the wages of sin is death. So spiritually speaking, we were people without any hope at all and destined to die in our sin. But then came grace. We were destined to die in our sin and then grace. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And some versions say he tabernacled among us. He set up his home among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. This is, I think it's in John and we read about grace upon grace. I've circled that. I've meditated on grace upon grace. And, and really, when you, when you dig deep into, into the definition there, it's just like waves of grace. Waves of grace. So you go to the beach, the waves come in. It's just waves of grace. Grace upon grace. You see, biblical grace is not a loan. Biblical grace isn't something like, okay, um, we're just going to like loan it to you for a little bit and then we'll see how you work it out in life. Biblical grace is not a loan. Now, something you can pay back, you, you can try. It's just never going to work. It's not a loan. So I had my, I think it was my first car and I was going down to where my mom was working and I parked in this parking lot that you're supposed to pay. And so I either didn't have money or I wasn't going to pay to park. I forget what it was. But you had a grace period there. And um, when I, I came back, I think the grace period was something like you had one 
15 minutes of grace, one hour of grace, whatever it was, I extended the grace period. So much so that when I went to get my car, it was gone. Yeah, I know, they impounded it. Yeah, and here I was a teenager, they impounded my car, towed it away, cost me more to get my car back than it was really, really worth, honestly. So anyway, I had extended grace, you see, and now I gotta pay it back. Are you with me? The grace is not alone. It's not like you, you, you're going to have to pay back somehow with your life or your funds or your money, whatever it is. A loan requires payment, repayment of some sort. Grace as a gift requires nothing in return. By grace, we are justified before God. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. And we are justified by his grace as a gift. By grace, we have access to the Father. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. I suppose we could sit on that scripture for a while. Do you ever feel unworthy in your prayers? By grace, we have access. It's grace. I made a mistake. I screwed up in life. How do I pray? By grace? And, and then I'm just afraid that for some of us, we get wrapped up in this, look what I did, therefore I can't. That's not grace. By grace we receive comfort, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and, the God, and God our Father who loves us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace. By grace we have given power to live. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 10, but by the grace of God I am what I am. And this grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. It's his grace that gives you the power to live out this life. And then here's my favorite. By grace we remain. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by the grace you have been re- that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that, any, that, so that no one can boast. By grace we remain. I want to ask you a question. I'm not even, I don't want you to respond. Have you ever doubted your salvation? By grace we remain. Has the enemy ever come to you and go like, you screwed up so bad. It's like he either didn't love you or you've lost your salvation or something. By grace, we remain. I love the life story of of one of the crosswalk editors, Heather Riggleman. I'm going to read it to you. It's just short. Because I think all of us can identify with her story, and just goes like this. Sometimes I wake in the dead of night and the day's poor choices flood my mind. The guilt, the heaviness, and the pain make me question if God will ever get tired of my issues. Yet, he gives me grace upon grace. Something I will never truly comprehend on this side of heaven, 
Before I gave my life to Christ, I questioned how anyone could love someone like me. The hopelessness and regret try to shroud me in a cavern of darkness. Yet the incredible light of God's love illuminated his priceless gifts of mercy, forgiveness, and grace. Have you ever felt the weight of feeling unworthy? Or the way hopelessness untethers your soul? But then you meet the one, capital O, who gives grace, not because you deserve it, but because he loves you anyway. God gives grace upon grace because we're all flawed, imperfect human beings in need of saving. And let me ask you just quietly, do you identify with that? Because I do. I do. Yeah, I've heard that whisper during the night. Look what you did. You probably have too. Or you're not doing enough. Grace upon grace. And so we have three choices. By law, we live by law, we live by license, or we live by liberty. J. Vernon McGee. Like we're going to live by law that says you've got to work hard and we'll see how the scales balance out. You can live by license, which is just permissiveness and grace does not allow that. Or you're going to live by liberty. Which is it going to be? That law struggles, strangles you with rules and license, kills you with permissiveness. But it's only when we live in the grace that we find the fullness of who God is and the freedom to live out this life. Grace. So where are you today? I'm going to pray. And, and I just want you to just think about for just a moment. If, you're, if you are a, uh, how do I say, a, a scale balancer or you're trying to balance out the scales, like you better give that life up because you will never be able to do enough to earn your way to heaven. That, that's not the gospel. And, and, and Paul says, there's no other gospel. Don't, don't go there. Don't do that. So don't do that. Um, how about, um, how about no, by, by law, but how about by um, like abusing grace, right? By living, you just live in this permissive life. Maybe, maybe in this moment, God will speak to you. Or how about liberty? The freedom that comes of living for Jesus and walking in his wisdom ways all of our life. He gives us the grace and the power to do that. We'll be talking about that in the road ahead. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you just to stand right now. And I'm going to pray um, really two prayers again this morning. And since if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Maybe you're the one who's going like, I try and I work. I give a lot of money. That's not, you can't buy your way into heaven. Um, I do a bunch of good stuff. I, I, I fall in that category like I'm not, I'm not bad enough to be lost, but you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe that's where you are. I'm going to pray and give you the opportunity because the gospel of Jesus, like you've got to receive me as Lord, and it doesn't matter what you have done, bad, good, or whatever. That's the gospel of grace. Or maybe, maybe you're that one then. You're hearing that whisper at night. You know, look what you did. You messed up. You screwed up, you know. He didn't love you. Uh, on and on and on like that. And, and we're just going to reject that. Amen. And walk in the freedom that grace allows. So, Father, I, I thank you for grace. 
Hmm. And like, I, I don't even, I don't even think like, I, don't know, I, I certainly couldn't explain it well enough, I know. The depth of your grace, the depth of your love. How do we, how do we grapple that? How do we understand it? I don't know. But I know that we can experience it. The freedom and the forgiveness of sins, not based on who we are, what we've done. We're just released to trust in you and have belief in you. And I thank you for that. And so if you've, you've never come to Christ, maybe you've struggled with this life of doing and working and thinking you're not good enough. It just says, Jesus, we just pray, Jesus, like, I give you my life and I trust in you. I've worked hard. Never thought it was bad enough to be lost, but today I am trusting my life to you. And maybe you're one of those that um, got that voice going on. Like, look, look what you did. You messed up. You did it again, over and over and over. And we suddenly begin thinking that we're just, we're not worthy enough. Grace upon grace, waves of grace. Jesus, I pray that we receive that in your name. Amen. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, where fears are stilled, when silence seems.
is a power of 